0: Welcome to the Harvest Seymour podcast. Come check us out and see how God is moving in this community. If you would like to know more, check out our Facebook page or you can visit us at hcfseymour.org. Have a wonderful day. Well, I have just one thing I want to mention uh, tonight is the deeper conference. And it starts at 6.30, and will be done by 8. Ocho. Okay? 6.30 to 8. And, um, you know, we've been talking about this every week for the past four, maybe five weeks. But I, I really want to give you, for just a brief moment, kind of a 30,000-foot view of, of where we are at in the life of our church. Can you bear with me a moment? And so... We began the twenty twenty uh, with the twenty one sixty fast in which we were seeking the Lord for lives to return and come back come back to the Lord for the restoration of families for the for just God to do amazing things and so that 's where we began uh, we wanted before we did anything we wanted to devote that month to the lord and many people had a wonderful fast, and some people had a not so wonderful fast but if you uh, are or were spiritually aware, but that God has kind of started a, a, a spiritual momentum in this church, anybody feel a spiritual momentum? You know, kind of what I'm talking about, okay? And then we we got into the vision series, what we believe that God was speaking over our church, how we can cooperate and participate with the Lord as best possible, and then we come now to the deeper conference, and what that is about is going taking the next step deeper in our relationship with Holy Spirit, deeper in our relationship with the Lord. God, we want to dig deep. We want to know what it is to be empowered by your Spirit all the way to the place to be able to minister to others, right, because of what's about to happen in April. In April, we, we have rented out the city auditorium for Easter service, and so we're going to have Easter service in the city auditorium. And then, but back here, so as we're going to have services normal over there, they're going to release the kids. They're going to have like a little hayride. And the kids are going to have this whole auditorium to, them, to themselves. And uh, there's, they're going to get to see the, resu- uh, the cross and resurrection of Jesus right here in this room. They're going to have a big old time in, in this area. And so and we're going to have prayer walks uh, leading up to this time where we we're, we're, we are going to believe for Jesus to do amazing things in our city. Okay? Cuz you know people we can talk we can talk all we want to about breaking out of the box. But at some point in time you got to break out of the box. Cuz there's talking and then there's action. Amen. And so we're going to just do something different. We're going to shake it up and believe God to do amazing things. Amen. Now Doug... Don't that sound like fun? I'm not really convinced. I mean, I mean, come on. We've talked all the time. Have you been in church? I mean, like, we've talked all the time about, God, do something new and unusual and do, break through. We want to see people safe. But often we're not willing to do the things that ta- cause us things to shake up. So we're going to shake a leg for Jesus. Amen? And so so all that being said, but we got to dig deep. Got to dig deep. And so tonight, we're digging deep. 6.30 to 8 o'clock, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Each night builds off of the other. And uh, I would encourage you to come. Amen. I know we're all busy. Newsflash, you'll be busy the rest of your life. But what we do with our time is what counts. Amen. Okay. Turn your Bibles to Luke 15. And we are, like I said, wrapping up the... uh, vision series today we've been talking about our core values talking about the kind of people we want to be we want to be a jesus we want to live the jesus-centered life we want to be a people that's just resolute on the goodness of god we want to be a people that loves people well amen and that we want to be the kind of people that we are just so established that with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? I and mean, here's the thing. That's, it's, that's about who we are. And it's about who we are in the process of following God after a vision. See, when God calls us into a vision, just like He did with Abraham He started out as Abram, but along the way of following God in that vision, somewhere along the way, Abram becomes Abraham. So he's interested in who we are becoming as we follow him towards vision, amen? And so here's the thing. Not only is he interested in us becoming a people that can co-labor with him, that does life with him, but he's also interested in us partnering with the dream in his heart for this area, for our town. He's interested in us partnering with Jesus to see his vision come about what he dreams of for Seymour, Texas. I'm telling you, Jesus dreams about Seymour. <laughs> you think I'm lying, but I'm not. Jesus dreams about Seymour. He has a vision. And see, in vision, we get an opportunity to participate with him in his vision. And what's that vision? Revival. It's his vision. It's our vision, his vision, that vision. It's the vision. Revival is not a meeting. Revival is, and it's really hard to define in many ways. But revival is like the momentum and reality of heaven being released in the earth. Revival is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And see, for a vision to be a God vision, it requires that the vision be way bigger than the people. All the way to the place that if it's a God vision, it requires God to do it. See, a big vision requires God, right? That you it doesn't happen without Him. Now, here's the beauty of, of having a vision for revival. Check this out. It necessitates that Jesus initiates the vision, that Jesus sustain the life of the vision. And that Jesus is also the goal of the vision. Whenever you have a vision for revival, it means that, Jesus, I need you to do a work in me. And Jesus, I need you to do a work through me. And by the way, the end result is that we would all come closer to Jesus. And so it's all about him anyways. (laughs) That makes me happy. And so revival is not just a moment, but it's a movement. It's about people being saved, healed, restored, discipled, equipped, empowered, on mission, healthy families, new buildings, more churches, cities impacted, more leaders at every level, impact at every level. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, prophetic vision, I love that. I love it in the ESV. Where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. See, this is what we get the insight here is vision has a harness. But when you have a vision for revival, it is you harnessing your life to glorify Jesus. Jesus get the glory for whatever it is we do. It will be started by Him. It will be sustained by Him. And the result will be with Him. So here's the big idea today. Revival as a supernatural awakening among people to the glory of Jesus and His kingdom. I want to read that again. Revival. Is a supernatural awakening among people to the glory of Jesus and his kingdom. Now, whenever we talk about moves of God, I'm I'm telling you, it's obvious that our nation needs a revival, isn't it? I mean, you just turn on the news, you go like, Jesus, we need you, right? We need it in our state. But what may not be obvious is how we need it in our town, in our homes, in our families. And so it's really easy to turn on the news and look out there and go like, man, we got problems out there. But if we're not careful, it'll be at our front doorstep. Right? We need revival at every level of of society. We need a move of God. The school needs one, families need one, we need one, churches need one, businesses need one. I mean, there's not a business owner around here that would say, you know, I could really do without the blessing of God on my business. Somebody's lying, right? Well, let's pick up here in in Luke 15, verse 11, and we're going to read a story about a young man that needed a revival in his life. starting with verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He was up to no good, right? And so here's the thing. He says, Dad, give me the portion of my goods. See, everything good that that son had was from his father, was because of his father. All of the resources, all of the favor, everything that was good, everything that he had in his life was from his dad, but for whatever reason, he's like, peace out, Dad. I'm I'm out of here, you know. I've, I've got things to do. He wanted a life apart from his dad. Now, in America today, sociologists have identified the rise of a people group they call the nunners. The nunners, okay? They're calling this particular generation the rise of the nunners. Now, not like N-U-N, none, but like N-O-N-E, like a nunner, okay? So, meaning if you ask this people group, what do you believe in? They say, nothing. 30 million Americans hold to this view, and in the past 10 years, this group has grown by 40%, showing no signs of decline. The largest percentage of this group were formally associated with the church but walked away. They cited everything from hypocrisy in the church to no acceptance of their lifestyle to scientific reasons. Experts say that we no longer live in what's called a postmodern society, we actually live in a post Christian society. Insanity is on the race or is on the rise. So you hear we have a whole host of humanity that has walked away from the Father. And there's churches on a weekly basis closing doors. We need a revival. And it's not just about us. It's about all over the place. Amen? Let's keep reading. Verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods of that, that that swine ate, and no one gave him anything. This is a picture of extreme poverty, of extreme spiritual poverty. Now, let me tell you something. Spiritual poverty has nothing to do with the size of your wallet. Though this boy here, he had problems from his wallet, all the way to his spiritual life. He was in the totality of spirit of poverty. Now, can I just tell you today that no matter what, outside of Jesus, there will always be spiritual poverty. There will always be lack. There's no amount of money can fix that. No amount of anything can fix that. Now, here's the deal. As Christians... We go back to the pig pen more than we ought. We like we like we like the father's house, but there's something about that smell of the pig pen that draws us back in. right? you You can be a believer, but you're slopping with the pigs. Thinking that it has the power to feed you. Thinking that it has the power to fill you, to sustain you, to strengthen you. Thinking that somehow this pig slop will meet our needs. I'm not an expert by any means, but I'm going if you eat pig slop for very long, there's some kind of infection or something's going to happen to you. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. But we find ourselves back at the pig pen. Then this is what he does. So he joins himself to a citizen. He joins himself to a citizen of the country that he was living in while in famine. And so his logic tells him, well, maybe if I just go to work and start taking care of myself, I got this myself. I can handle this myself. I don't need y'all. Maybe I can get by on my own. Only to discover that his hard work wasn't enough. Thinking he found the right person and attach himself to. Thinking that that would somehow meet all of his needs. And it doesn't work. And so the problem of spiritual poverty continues. What do we do when we've chosen at one point in our life to follow Christ and then go back to the pen? What do we do when we live in poverty even though we're not? Can I just tell you, Jesus is on the move. And the pig slop that's on you doesn't scare him at all. He's not afraid of that. He'll he'll tell you, just like what he told Peter whenever, whenever it was the night to wash his feet and Peter says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And he says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And he goes, well, wash my head, wash my body. You know, you remember this story? Okay. But then Jesus says, look, he says, I have no need to wash you, your whole body, for you are already clean. But you need to allow me to wash your feet. And so for us believers who find ourselves in the pig pen, I want you to know In Jesus, you're clean, but a bathing, you need to allow Jesus to serve you and wash your feet. He's not afraid of that slop. It gets on all of us from time to time, doesn't it? If I'm telling the truth, just say amen. Amen. Okay, if I'm lying, (laughs) all right. The fields are wide and the harvest. And so Jesus says this in Luke 4.18. You don't have to turn there. I just want to quote it real quick. The Spirit of the Lord. This is one of his first sermons in church at Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Outside of Christ, we are all poor. Every one of us fits into that category outside of Christ. Spiritual poverty is 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 what's happening outside of Jesus. We need the good news. Amen. So verse 17, check this out of Luke 15. Says this, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have enough bread or bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? It's kind of like he's like, man, the things were great back home. What am I doing? Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. So that phrase, it says that when he came to himself and other translations, it says, When he came to his senses, he has like an aha moment. Two questions. What does it mean to come to our senses? And then secondly, what does it take to come to our senses? So what does it mean to come to our senses? Well, first of all, he's he's waking up to the fact, this is really bad. I don't like pig feed right? He, he wakes up to the fact he's in extreme poverty, and he realizes that if he keeps living this way, eventually he's going to die. See, he wakes up to the fact that he was in sin, and it says that he sinned against heaven, and he sinned against his dad, but the only way to, to find his way back was to actually go back to the man he left, his dad. Man, it, it, it's a huge thing for people to wake up to where they are. Man, it's a great day when you wake up and you go like, you know what? This is really stupid. <laughs> oh, happy day. Revelation came. You know? Second question, what did it take for him to come to his senses? What, what did it take for him to get there? I think, really, he really had to see his poverty. He had to see it. It had to be shining right in front of his face. But you know what happens to us is most of the time, we don't really wake up to how poor our conditions are, do we? We don't really wake up to the fact until someone has come to preach the good news to us, Right. See, the good news comes to those who are poor in spirit, right? The good news, see the when the good news comes, what's the good news? Man, Jesus loves you. Jesus is wild about you. Jesus has a plan for your life. He has the plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to turn this thing around for you, right? He has a plan to lift you up out of poverty. See, you see, that's good news. And then we say, like, well, I don't, God, I don't, man, I don't know what to say. I don't have the right words. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have, I don't have whatever I need to have. I love what one famous preacher said, and I wish I could remember who said it. But he well, the sense is this. Preach the gospel. Use words of necessary. Meaning your life preaches. Your life preaches. The way you live life, the choices that you make, it's a sermon. You're sending out a message the way that you live. You see, guys, when you're at work and all the stuff hits the fan, how you handle it either testifies to the goodness of God or something else. But our life preaches. And so, this son comes to himself. He comes to his senses. He he hears, you know, like, or he actually he remembers his dad's house like the servants had it better than him. And so he decides to go back to his dad's house. He awakes, comes to his senses. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I love this because while the son was still a great way off, he saw him. You see, the way I like to picture this, born and raised in the country, right? Okay. A lot of y'all could probably relate to this. The way I picture this is this is dad sitting out on the front porch waiting. You know, on my front porch, I I can see about a mile west, people coming. But I can also see about three miles north. If I'm on the front porch looking for somebody, I know a long time in advance before they ever show up. But if I'm in the house, I don't have a clue till there's a knock at the door. Because with the TV and everything else blaring, I don't even hear nothing. Right? But you see, here's the thing. But if I'm anticipating someone is coming, I know a good while in advance. So here's this dad on the front porch looking. Looking. And then off in the distance. He sees his son coming down the road. I would be willing to bet that dad was there day after day after day after day after day. day. He might have spent his days right there on the front porch. And then whenever he sees his son far off, what does he do? He runs. In the Jewish culture that day, dads don't run. The culture of my house, dads don't run, you know. <laughs> but he gets up and he runs to them. And he and he's just filled with compassion because he loves his son. I can imagine that dad just running. I see him, I see him. And grabs him and takes him up and compassion wells up inside of him. So here's the thing. If if you share the gospel with someone, you don't need to worry so much about the words that you are saying because in the Spirit there's a Father running and he might trample over you. I mean, he's running to that person. So it's not about perfect words or eloquence. I'm just going to open my heart to the opportunity. I'm going to love somebody. I'm going to match my love to the love of the Father and let the love of King Jesus come racing on through. And it's not about eloquent. I mean, look at me, right? I'm not all that eloquent. But I want to tell you something. The love of the Father. My goodness. He wants to meet you right where you are, right where everyone is. See, the biggest transformative moment in my life was when I was the prodigal. And you know what happened? My dad initiated my return by doing something really simple. He told me how much he loved me. And so whenever he got vulnerable, opened his heart to loving me, it was like it opened the door for the Father to display his love to me. And if you want to hear the rest of the story, you've got to come to deeper conference. Sorry. <laughs> but the Father's love is huge. It chases people down. But we have to, people have to come to their senses. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, because it's steak tonight. And let us eat and be merry, for this son of mine for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. But if you notice, right, right there in verse 21, it's like the son is repenting. Dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I've messed up. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You know what? That's a true statement. He wasn't worthy. But did you notice what the father did? He ignored it. He, didn't, he, he did not even respond to it. He ignored it. Because he was not going to relate to his son based upon his deeds. Rather, the father was going to relate to his son based upon his own compassion and joy over his son. See, the Father's compassion is is defined by the Father. It flows from who He is. So all of this business, I'm not worthy. Listen, that is a distracting argument that's just going to send you down a wrong path. It's just there to keep you disconnected from the Lord. Yeah, sure, not worthy. As soon as you can, get over it and come on. Join the party. There's a party in your honor, and you're going, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not. Yes, you are. It's not a it's not about that, okay? Jesus made a way so your worth issue is dealt with. You're worthy because of Jesus. If it was based upon our deeds, we all out of luck. But his worth was based upon the work of Christ. That in the work of Christ, the Father was still displaying His compassion. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He demonstrates His love for us in this. He died. He sent His Son. So your worth issue was dealt with at the cross. So you might as well come to the party. Return to joy, right? Because in my Father's house, there's a place for me right i am a child of god we sang that this morning morning so then they get there and there's the they put the robe and the ring and the sandals and they have the fatted cap and they party i got a question for you what was the best gift Maybe the better question is is who was the best gift? The father reconnected to his father. See, he was the owner of the robe, the owner of the ring, the owner of the sandals, the owner of the calf. He's the great party thrower, he had all the resources. Folks, I just want to tell you that in all of the things that we know that the Father will give us, like He's going to give us love, peace, joy, salvation, goodness. He's going to be faithful. But in all of that, you know what He's ultimately trying to give us? Himself. He is so good. And that what He offers ultimately is Himself. See, these other things like love, peace, joy, these are just attributes of being connected to the one who has it all. Are you tracking with me? Our scripture for the year is uh, John 2020. And it reads, it's that moment when Jesus has been raised from the dead and he walks through the wall, right? And he shows up and scares everybody. And he says, peace be to you. And then verse 20 says, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You see, first they saw him and then they saw him. Their vision became clear. Clarity came to their vision. If nothing else happens this year, man, would to God that we would just see Jesus more clearly. See how he saved us, healed us, set us free, saved us from sin, saved us to righteousness. See how his lordship has been impacting our families. Amen? Amen. Seeing his vision. And our vision needs to be of Christ. Seeing Jesus is seeing revival. You can't look upon Jesus very long without it transforming your life. If you want to see revival... Let's look at Jesus, his wounds, his hands, his feet, his side. See Jesus. What if we were just to make this our simple prayer? Jesus, I want to see you. Jesus, I want to see you. See, here's the thing. When we begin to see him, that moves us to a place, moves us to a place of going like where your heart's desires and his heart's desires become one. And see, he has a broken heart for your neighbor, and next thing you know, you're going to have a broken heart for your neighbor. Because you can't be alone with Jesus gazing upon Jesus without all of a sudden his concerns becoming your concerns. And see, visions have a harness to it. And whenever we say I'm going to submit my life to Seeing revival come in many ways, it's like saying, Jesus, I'm harnessing my life to see you be glorified. Jesus, I want to see you get all the glory. I see what ends up happening when we start hanging out with Jesus. We'll sit up on that front porch with him. sit up on that front porch and you you begin to gaze too that gets in your heart Father who are you calling next thing you know you're in a foot race with Jesus amen revival is a supernatural awakening among people to the glory of Jesus and his kingdom but what if harvest became harvesters? What if harvest became harvesters? I do want to encourage you to come to the deeper conference because we're gonna be talking about what it means to be a harvester. Are you ready to be a carrier of his life? Or maybe, are you in a place where you go like, you know what? My heart's a little cold. I'm a little cold to the Lord. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to come receive prayer and let let the Holy Spirit begin to fan into flames. Begin to fan into flames that fire again. You see, wherever Jesus is, there is revival. Revival is just simply the presence of Jesus. And so, Lord, set our hearts on fire today. Let's just pray. Lord, set our hearts on fire today. Lord, and where there's coldness and callousness, and and Lord, where maybe we just feel dissipated, like we're going a thousand directions all the time, and we just don't ever slow down to see what you're doing. God, I just ask, Lord, right now that you would just set us into focus so that we can be set into motion. Lord Jesus, I ask God for a fresh vision of you. Lord, that we would partner with you in seeing your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, and just the Sometimes those pig stalls that we find ourselves in or we want to come to you now and just allow you to wash our feet that we would return to the joy of knowing Jesus. And so if, that, if that's you this morning I'd encourage you to receive prayer. If you need someone just to join with you and just kind of shaking loose of some of the, that kind of stuff let today be your day let's just get comfortable receiving prayer let's just get comfortable with it as a way of life amen and if you're in a cold place your heart is cold and you need to come away and receive prayer today and if you're just needing a fresh fire or a fresh touch from the Lord I want you to come and receive prayer today Thank you, Father, for your precious people. it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray today. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed day.